Squad. You are tuned into episode 90. Today, we're going to give you our way too early picks as far as rookie predictions for Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, and a few other ones that we've sort of made up here who we think might be the most disappointing rookie, who we think might be a potential fantasy rookie you should have on your team if you want to win your league. Um, and we'll kind of dive into our lookout here for the uh, rookie awards. But without further ado, I want to introduce my co-hosts here, Matthew Durgan and Casey Sully. How you guys doing? Well, Aaron Rodgers still hates the Packers, oh, so yeah. that still makes me sad <laughs> and uh, has, you know, I, I've really not enjoyed being the focal point of the offseason uh, or post-draft offseason, I should say. You know, I liked it much more when the 49ers were about to take Mac Jones and, and do some crazy <laughs> stuff there. And now that the, the spotlight is on us, I'm not, I don't, I don't really like it. So uh, I'm ready for Deshaun Watson to uh, go to jail or something and take, take the, the, the light away from the, the Packers. Yeah, uh, so you mentioned Mac Jones. This is the second week that Mac Jones is not my quarterback. So I am still in a good mood. Also, Tim Tebow is back in the news. So that is proof that nature is healing. That 2021 is starting to turn around and life is going to go back to normal. Yeah, maybe Tim Tebow can be your savior, Casey, and pull some of the media attention away from this Aaron Rodgers drama and and uh, everything going on in Jacksonville. I guess let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, there's not it's not really NFL news. I don't know if it... I don't know if it's worthy of being deemed news per se, but it's definitely a storyline that's happening within the league, and um, it's one of the most Florida things to ever happen, for sure. But (laughs) Tim Tebow is signing uh, with Urban Meyer and the the, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars as a tight end, which is interesting. Um, I mean, we've known that the guy's relatively athletic, but what do we think here? I mean, is this just sort of... Will he even see the field, I guess, is the ultimate question that we should get to, but what do you guys think about this? Well, Tim Tebow should have made this move to tight end early in his career as a football player. And he's only getting signed because her, him and Urban Meyer go way back. Uh, Urban Meyer and him won two national championships at University of Florida. So if it was any other team, they would have no interest in him. And Tim Tebow is an interesting character because pretty much everyone hates him unless you're a Florida fan. Like No one likes the guy, but he also happens to be like the nicest guy in the world. So you're, like, happy in one sense. You're like, okay, yeah, good for him for getting rewarded. But, like, he's a terrible football player. He doesn't know when to quit. Uh, he's terrible at baseball. So, it, I mean, it'll be an interesting thing to follow in preseason. Uh, there's no way he makes a team. I, I can't see that. But let's give you a reason to watch the Jacksonville Jaguars play in the preseason in the third quarter. Absolutely. Yeah, the the short answer is no, he will not be on a roster. I don't know why they're signing a guy that hasn't played in over 3,000 days. Um, he's a 30-something-year-old guy making a position change, and uh, I, I don't think it's very newsworthy or, or worth really touching on all that much because I don't think he's going to be there very long. Cool. Straight to the point. Love it, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think what they're going to hit on, it'll be fun to just – you know, we're going to see some probably preseason highlights or something. He, I mean, he may get a few snaps there, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we, we forget, man, this guy uh, won a playoff game. So, uh, you know, sure. I, don't, I don't know. We'll see. Anything's possible with uh, with Tebow. But uh, another another news story, which is a little, a little more interesting to me at least, was uh, DK Metcalf participating in the Olympic trial. Did you guys see this? Yeah. I believe he ran a 10-3-8. He did. Your dash. He yeah. came in. I think he came in last, but he, he yes. held his own. I'm just saying. Like, I mean, yeah. He was also he's going against. He was also 30 pounds heavier guys. than everyone yeah. there. So 
at least 30 pounds. Yeah. At least 30 pounds heavier on those guys. And to someone, I ran track back in the day. I wouldn't say I'm fast, but I ran track back in the day. And there is, like, fast, and then there is track fast. And those guys are built uh, in a much slender way. And this guy is, like, a linebacker, essentially, running as fast as these guys. And, I mean, he got beat decently well, but a 10-3-8 is like top 1% in the world fast. You're just not in the point 1% fast. And it was cool because no one else would have watched this event if it wasn't for him. Put a lot of eyes on the sport and I'm sure more guys in the future like DK Metcalf will try to be more dual sport athletes and let, let them be free and do what they want. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show how specialized each athlete is in each different sport. You know, it's not always transferable. And, uh, you know, you think like, oh, fast guys can just run and be fast. And, you know, you, you think that until you go up against Olympic runners and you realize, oh, shit, I'm the fastest guy on the football field, but I ain't the fastest guy on the track. <laughs> so, um, you know, props for him for, for trying. Um but uh, not an un- entirely unexpected uh, result as far as not qualifying and moving on. Yeah, I forget the name of the guy who won, but I just remember watching the uh, announcers after he won do nothing but talk about DK Metcalf and and thinking, yeah. if I was this guy, I'd be like, what the hell, man? Like, I just won this race, <laughs> and all you're talking about is DK Metcalf. Um, but it was really interesting to see. Just the Olympics. Yeah, and it was really interesting to see sort of a football player come out and, and hold his own um, because these guys, I mean, these track athletes, this is all they do, right? And when you're mm-hmm. talking about fractions of a second, there's a lot of different techniques that go into, you know, running, and, and yep. the announcers were mentioning it, like when do they, you know, keep their head down, when do they lift it up throughout the 100 meters and different, different um, complexities that a lot of people don't know. They just think running is running, but it's not. Um, so... DK Metcalf held his own, man, and, and it was weird because you could you could easily see him um, when he was running compared to everyone else because he was, like, massive. Everyone else was, like, a small, very slender runner, clearly a runner body type, and this dude was just the Hulk running running out there. It was interesting, um, I guess. And to put this in context, if we, if we want to see, like, you know, Usain Bolt-type speed, Usain Bolt ran a 9.58 second 100 meter in uh, 2009. So, you know... I'd love to see Usain Bolt crossover and come do like an NFL combine and see what he when he clocks on the forty and, and does in the, in the different drills. That'd be kind of exciting. Do you guys? Yeah. I guess the question I have would be: Are there any other runners you think in the NFL that might be worth? Like, should Tyreek Hill come out and and do an Olympic trial? Should we start a campaign I, for I that? Wa- yeah, I want to see Tyreek Hill, uh, Raheem Mostert, and the Niners because he has the fastest like miles per hour. Um, also, I mean. Mm. I was. I want to see some big boys do some stuff too. Like, I want to see how fast, like, so like, like DK back. I mean, obviously he's a freak of nature, but like, I want to see like Aaron Donald because he could be a guy who'd be good at every single event. So like, I always stuff more like that, more crossovers uh, between like, I mean, track. Like, if you see a guy, you know, I mentioned the show last year. I want to see like an NFL players slam dunk contest. That'd be think, super cool to watch. And the more like freedom these guys have to do what they want, I think the happier they are, the more money they make. And it's good for our, every other sport also because America loves football. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for some quarterback javelin throwing as well. You know? Oh, yeah. There you um, go. I don't know. Maybe you can uh, have some of the kickers take penalty kicks in, uh, in the, <laughs> some soccer games. And, um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be into it. I don't, I don't know if there's a ton other ones that are transferable. I, I think uh, 
you know, just the way football players are built, I think it's hard for them to transfer to uh, a lot of the track uh, and field events uh, just because you have to be a little bit slimmer and uh, like the correct body proportion. So I think even Tyreek Hill is a little too short to be able to keep pace with guys in, in a straight line. Um, as far as track speed goes, you got to have some some length to you to be able to gobble up some some space. But um, you know, I, if they just made the Olympics for the NFL as the Pro Bowl, I'm in. That'd be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Also, Mar- quick point: Marquise Goodwin, who now plays for the Bears, I believe, he was actually an Olympic runner. He participated in the 2016 Olympics, I believe, in triple jump. So he'd be, I guess, the most transferable one because he's actually done it before. Yeah, it just goes to show you that just because you can run fast doesn't mean you can play football. So <laughs> let's move on here. We're going to talk about rookies. So we'll kick it off with our uh, rookie prediction, and um, and we'll start with the offensive side. So who do we think has a good shot at winning Offensive Rookie of the Year? Yeah, I hate picking the obvious ones, but I'm one with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I looked back at the award, and up until recently, it was dominated by position players because we didn't see too many rookie quarterbacks come in and succeed right away. But last two years, Kyler Murray, uh, and to a much greater uh, extent, Justin Herbert, played very well as rookies. And it's because of the league's willingness to adapt to college-style offenses and quarterbacks uh, is growing. Because a lot more uh, athletic quarterbacks are coming out. So that's why we see those two guys mentioned earlier. And Trevor Lawrence is the most pro-ready player, uh, I think, maybe outside of Kyle Pitts, uh, coming out of this draft. And also, I look at the point that he is going to be on a bad team that's going to have a lot of chances to throw the ball. So he's going to get a lot of crazy numbers just because his team's going to be down by 20-plus points in the fourth quarter. Also, he's a pretty athletic guy, and I think he can finish somewhere near the top five in QB rush yards. He's not going to beat Lamar Jackson uh, or Kyler Murray, but he's going to be up there based on the fact that his offensive line also isn't very good. So he's going to put up some crazy stats. Team won't win many games, but I don't think that is required uh, for an award like this. I think you do have to win some games, though. You got to get to like six and eleven. You can't. Yeah. Or, you can't be terrible. Yeah, you can't have two or three wins on the on the year. I don't think, and that's why for me, Justin Fields seems like he's in the best situation to be able to win Offensive Rookie of the Year because they just went to the playoffs last year. I'm a big believer in Justin Fields. Uh, he has some pieces around him with uh, Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, and a very strong defense. So they're not going to ask him to do a whole lot, which might impact his numbers a little bit. But that also gets him in his comfort zone and gives him the the easier throws. And he knows he doesn't have to force the ball and push the ball downfield uh, if he doesn't have to. Um, and I think when you tie sort of that comfortability and that slow growing where he's not just thrown into the fire, you have that individual success matched with your team success. And if he takes the Bears to the playoffs as a rookie, uh, I think he's going to have a really good chance to, to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah, Casey definitely stole mine for sure, but I would also agree <laughs> Justin Fields has a, a better chance. I think um, the situation he's in, like Casey mentioned, I'm a big Matt Nagy fan. I think we've established that on this podcast as well. If the dude can can make Mitch Trubisky a pro bowler and uh, make the playoffs with Trubisky, he the sky is the limit with Justin Fields, who I think is a marginal second to Trevor Lawrence. I, I understand he slid a little bit in the draft, and um, and maybe uh, scouts didn't see him that way. But I think from a talent perspective, athletic profile perspective, I think he's 
on par with Lawrence in terms of potential. It's a matter of if he reaches it. But there's nothing that he, that Lawrence can do that Justin Fields can't do, in my mind. Maybe he can't do it as consistently, or maybe he hasn't done it as consistently. But I like Justin Fields probably a lot more than most people. Um, I think the Bears are actually in a really interesting position to maybe win that division. Um, that's kind of a hot take. I mean, their defense is still pretty solid. If their offense can, can come together and if Justin Fields lives up to the potential, that, that may be the Bears' division this year. I don't know. That's a whole other conversation that we might have later in the offseason. But, um, you know, it's it, – sorry, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> the only way the Bears win the division is if Aaron Rodgers Aaron, yeah. is not in it. That's that's my assumption is that he he isn't right. So if he's not, then I think the Bears have a, a pretty good shot because it's almost it almost evens out the playing field at that point between the Packers and the Bears. Sure. The, yeah. The only concern I have with Justin Fields in this category is when will he take over a starting job? Because it will happen. Is I mean, if if he's a starter week one, then yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to hop on. Uh, this bandwagon, but if it's game four, five, six, I mean, we saw Justin Herbert come in the second or third game and still win the award. But if he, you know, doesn't do it till mid mid season, I don't know if statistically he'll be able to keep up with a guy like Trevor Lawrence. And it's not the most valuable rookie player; it's the offensive rookie of the year. True. And even a guy like, I mean, like, if, I mean, if Trey Lance for some reason if he starts Week One, then I'm gonna be more inclined because he's gonna be on a better team, uh, more talent. Or even Mac Jones, if he starts week one, he might move up the rankings here. But um, based on talent and the possibility of starting early, Justin Fields does have a great chance. And I think, you know, there's a legitimate chance that he does start early. We, well, obviously, there's no way to know. And I think I, I agree. I think he should. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the Bears. They signed Andy Dalton probably with the assumption that they wouldn't be able to get one of these guys in the draft. And then you see Justin Fields slip to 11 and they say, well, shit let's go get him let's do what we yeah. got to do to go get him so now they're sitting in a situation where they have Andy Dalton who they had initially planned to start but probably view as a stopgap and then their guy Justin Fields who I'm sure they had rated much higher than 11 um, and I think he's ready to start sooner rather than later so maybe it'll be like a Justin Herbert situation but planned like Andy Dalton will start the first yeah. few games and then you'll immediately see Justin Fields come out but um, it could also be the other way you could see Justin Fields just catch fire and OTAs in the offseason and then preseason and then he's the guy so I wouldn't be shocked and I think to a certain degree within reason I think it's more about how you finish for these awards a lot of the times than if you have the full 17 games now so as long as you don't miss the first like entire half of the year I think if you catch fire and you're hot the last four weeks you have a pretty good chance of of winning the the award I think overall and the viewers uh, sort of point of view of the the writers and and the people that vote for the the awards they i think the the momentum is a real thing towards the end of the year yeah and my dark horse is Devonte smith of course because uh of reasons that i will discuss later in the podcast for a different category but um let's move on to defensive rookie of the year and who we think would win might win this so i'm gonna go with k woody pay a defensive end for the indianapolis colts and this is probably the toughest one I had to pick out of the four categories we're going to go over. Um, but I looked at the history of this award. Since 2010, a defensive lineman has won six times. And I think it's because it's easier to get sacks than it is interceptions. 
And you have to, as a rookie defensive back, you're going against a lot better talent at the wide receiver position. So I'm not, I'm not saying Sertan or Horn will struggle. I just don't know if they're going to turn in a lot of interceptions. Like Marcus Pierce won the award his rookie year because he had like six or seven picks. I don't know if these guys are going to be able to get that amount right away. Uh, meanwhile, Pay is on a team that has a good defense, a good defensive line to force Buckner in the middle. is going to draw all the attention. So he's going to get a lot of one-on-one uh, situations out on the edge. And he's an athletic freak. So don't be shocked if he gets eight sacks, nine sacks. And we saw Chase Young win this award with five and a half or six and a half sacks. So if you can put up a decent sack total on a team that is going to be pretty good and he's going to allow playing time, one would assume, I think he has a very good chance to win this. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not mad at the pick at all. And, and that's sort of the, you know, unfortunately, some of these are, are very tied to stats. So if you don't, if, mm-hmm. you know, Quiddy Pay may like lead the league in pressures, but if he doesn't get sacks, I think it's going to be then, tough for yeah. him to, to win. And the same thing for for defensive backs. If you get a bunch of PBUs and don't get any interceptions, it's going to be tough for you to win. But mm-hmm. uh, all that being said, I'm going with J.C. Horn in Carolina. I really like what Matt Rule is doing in Charlotte, and they have a ton of young talent on defense. They took even more uh, first-round defensive talent this year after spending their entire draft on defense last year. Um, so they're they're developing a pretty solid nucle- nucleus there in the defensive backfield. They have Jeremy Chin, who played really well last year, A.J. Bouye, and now they have J.C. Horn in that uh, uh, other corner spot. Um, so if the D- uh, the Panthers' defense plays well th- this year, I-, I think people are going to try to test J.C. Horn, especially early. Uh, most rookie cornerbacks tend to struggle. But the good thing about J.C. Horn is he's played against NFL-caliber receivers the last two years and has performed incredibly well. So if there's ever a, a guy that can sort of step in right away and make some some sp- splash plays and, and match physicality with physicality of, of the NFL, uh, I think it's him in, in Carolina. And I think Matt Rule's going to put him in the in the right spot to, to make some plays. And he's going to come up with a, a couple interceptions, be active in the run game and coming down and tackling. And, and that's going to help him as well. If you can get a couple interceptions and also have, you know, 20 or 30 tackles or something as a corner, uh, I think that puts you on the map a little bit more. Yeah, J.C. Horn's a dog, and um, I think he has a good shot as well. I'm going to go with Jamin Davis, uh, dark horse pick here for the Washington football team. And the reason being, well, first off, I just want to point out, I don't think there's any top-tier edge-rushing talent in this draft. Usually we kind of look at that as the benchmark for defensive rookie of the year. It's it's the, the sexier pick on defense. There's the sacks. You know, there's there's different measurements um, statistically that lead us to normally nod, give the nod to edge rushers. But I'm going to pick Jamin Davis because he is playing behind some of the best edge rushers in Washington. And I think he's going to eat whatever comes through, which may not be much, but there's going to be a ton of pressure taken off him from that top tier defensive line in Washington. And I think he's going to be able to perform immediately. I think he's going to be out there on the field pretty consistently um he's a three down type of back so i i would i would it's a tough choice i think more so than most years in my opinion at least there's no clear cut choice like we've had nick bosa we had chase young who were the easy picks past few years i don't know that we have that this year really like when i look at this draft on defense so um if it's jamin davis you know you guys got to eat ghost peppers or something (laughs) i i wouldn't be shocked at all because like you said there's no clear-cut guy, and this is a, a stat award, and he's going to get a lot of tackles. Yeah. That defensive line is going to 
you know, give him a lot of uh, room to make plays, uh, especially in the run game. Uh, he needs to get maybe two or three interceptions or you know, turnovers to make himself you know stand out a little bit more. But he's going to rack up tackles if he can stay healthy. So there, there's a good chance. He was one of my like, three guys I was considering. Yeah, I was debating between him and Micah Parsons because I feel like it might be was, a linebacker yeah. this year. But I just feel like the Cowboys' defense is such trash that regardless of how Micah Par- <laughs> Parsons plays um, – like there's, he's just gonna. Won't be enough. It won't be enough. Like he'll have, he'll struggle to a degree. So, um, uh, yeah, that's why I went with Jamin Davis. But um, we can move on there if you want, unless you have any thoughts, Casey, on on my pick there. I know you, you look like you were. No, he he could like Durgan sort of nailed it. I mean, if he if he racks up the tackles, he's gonna have a shot. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be big if if Washington gets uh, a number of primetime games. I think that'll help them. I think all these rookies out a lot. If they make a couple plays in primetime, uh, I think that's going to help them a lot uh, as well. Just sort of like the, the OBJ catch, like that's cemented yep. in, in his, mm-hmm. you know, yep. fame and his his play. And so if they can, you know, make a play or two on, on primetime, especially later in the season, I think that's that, that'll go a long way. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, let's move on here. These are not necessarily like NFL awards, but these are the weekly spoiler awards that we're going to give out ahead of time here. Um, so let's discuss who we think might be the most disappointing rookie as far as expectations. So I went with Zach Wilson, and something about Zach Wilson in New York I don't see working out long-term, but definitely not working out as a rookie. Uh, I, I like the player, I like the coaching staff, but he is not ready to play right now. And he's being gifted the starting role. And it's different between Trevor Lawrence being gifted a starting role because he's accomplished in college, uh, has all the tools to succeed, and he has the maturity level, in my opinion. As for Zach Wilson, two out of his three years in college, he didn't play well. And his one year was his past year when they played the worst schedule out of their three years. And the backup on the New York Jets, not good. James Morgan, he's not pushing for a starting role. So you're giving this young guy who isn't really battle-tested, just handing him a starting position. And he's a guy who's smaller built. He can run a little bit, but is not laterally. He's more side-to-side to make um, no defenders miss or splitters uh, get past them. So I, I don't think he's going to put up a ton of running uh, totals. And I think he's going to throw a lot of interceptions because he's a gunslinger. He, he's a guy who wants to throw the ball down the field. Uh, and he was bailed out a lot of times by his receivers and also by poor defensive backs. And by playing in a really good defensive division, he is not going to have that luxury. So I'm not going to say he's going to be a bust, but I am going to say that I don't think him in the short term, not being pushed, not learning the game by sitting behind a veteran, is uh, is the best for him. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is going to rely on Mike LaFleur scheming stuff open both for him and those skill guys on the Jets offense because like you said he likes to to push the ball downfield and and he has a great he has a very quick release and can be very accurate but he does have a, a tendency to to throw some jump balls some 50-50 balls and I don't know that the Jets really have dudes that are going to win those on a consistent basis and 
uh, you know, my biggest knock on him in college was that he was he was throwing these these balls that were really, you know, hey, my guy's better than yours. I'm going to go mm-hmm. let him try to out, out jump you. And in the NFL, those are going to be interceptions. And I think that's that's really where the rubber's going to meet the road for for him. Uh, if he's turning the ball over a lot, you know, the Jets are going to struggle as as a whole. So uh, if if Mike Lafleur can can get him some easy throws and and work the quick game and some play action stuff. Uh, I think he'll have some success, but I wouldn't be surprised if he, he struggled a little bit. And in that vein, I think the second hardest position to acclimate to in the NFL, aside from quarterback, is tight end. And that leads me to saying that Kyle Pitts is going to be the most disappointing uh, rookie this year. And I know he's gotten all this acclaim, this gold jacket guy that hasn't even played a snap in the NFL yet. Uh, but there's so many things you have to learn as a tight end in the NFL. You got to learn the blocking scheme. You got to learn all the pass game. You got to learn hots. You got to learn blitz pickups. You got to do all this stuff, the technique, the strength. And there's a lot of other big dogs on that uh, Atlanta offense. You, you know, you got Julio still, you got Calvin Ridley. Um, and you're going into a team with Arthur Smith now as the head coach who wants to work some of that play action uh, run game stuff that he was doing in Tennessee. And so, you know, all of a sudden now the amount of targets and opportunities for Kyle Pitts are not necessarily going to be there as frequently. Um, so he may get some scheme to looks off of play action and get some nice run after the catch opportunities and, and all that. And he may sort of fit basically just as a big slot in his rookie year and limit sort of what he has to know and let him grow into the role. But um, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he starts a lot slower than than people think because people are already crowning him as being like, you know, the fourth best tight end in the league behind Kelsey and Kittle and, and, and Waller and the guy hasn't even played a snap yet. So let's uh, pump the brakes a little bit and, uh, you know, let's see how he looks first and... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the targets aren't there for him to have this insane rookie year that, that people are expecting from at, him at tight end. Well, I'm one of those people who say he's a good <laughs> guy. And I'm going to talk about him a little bit later, uh, so I'm not going to go too in-depth uh, onto him. I, I can see why you think that way. Um, traditionally, tight ends drafted in the top 10 in the first round in general have not have been busts and uh, for their mm-hmm. career. I mean, look at the best tight ends you mentioned. Those guys were all not first round picks, and yeah. two to three of those guys were like fifth round picks or later. Uh, so it, he is really bucking a trend. Uh, if you look at uh, historically the past few years for like tight ends dropped in the first round, it's really bad. I mean, it, almost all of them have not lived up to their draft uh, slot. I mean, the one that you could argue kind of has is Vernon Davis, and he was drafted six overall. 15 plus years ago. I don't even think he lived up to six overall pick. Very good player, but I don't think he, I mean, sure. six overall pick, you want him to be a possible Hall of Famer, and he never yeah. got to that level. Um, so I, I do see what you mean with that. Uh, I will make my comeback during the uh, the <laughs> next topic we'll talk here. Okay. So, you know what this reminds me of a little bit is when Eric Ebron came out, sort of. Um, I'm not saying he's as good as Kyle Pitts, but the hype around, you know, a mm-hmm. transcendental, is that a word? That's a word. Um, Transcendent? I think I think they're both words. Uh, what a catastrophe from you, Cyrus. Yeah. Anyways, I, it, it reminds me of that level of hype where Eric Ebron came out and everybody was like, this is the next big thing. He will be the most athletic tight end the league has seen, sort of 
you know, uh, change the way the league plays at the position. Um, and Eric Ebron, I mean, yes, he contributes now, but I think by all accounts, we can say based on expectations, he was a bust. So that's sort of worst case scenario, I think, for Kyle Pitts. But at the same time, I mean, you you cannot deny that he is probably the best tight end prospect we've seen um, in a long time. Maybe, I don't even know, maybe in our lifetime? Is that fair to say? I would agree with that. Because we were, we were born after Tony Gonzalez was drafted. So, I do agree with that. Though. Casey doesn't agree with that. I can tell by his... his yeah, uh, you know... I don't know. He's he's very good. I was not as impressed as some people are with his route running in particular. Like he's great at winning jump balls, and I know Durgan loves the lack of separation and just oh yeah, hey bud, go get it. He's he'd be a perfect fit for for Zach Wilson in New York uh, if you could pair yeah, those guys he would, up. He would be, <laughs> um, but that is not the case. So I, I, despite the straight line forty speed and how fast he is and how big he is, like I worry a little bit about him being able to to create separation for himself on his own and then also com- uh, contribute meaningfully in the the run blocking and pass blocking game like i think he can get there with all these things but in year one i think it's a big ask for him sure yeah and the, and like you mentioned the touches there's only one ball so uh we'll see atlanta has a ton of weapons my disappointment and i'm sorry Durgan in advance but i'm gonna go with <laughs> trey lance as my biggest disappointment not because of him potentially disappointing on the field but because I don't even think he he may not even see the field this season, which may be best case scenario for the Niners as a whole. But I know Niners fans are hyped, and rightfully so. I mean, they got a guy who could potentially be a stud or has the potential to be a stud um, if he pans out. But in the short term, I think people need to temper their expectations and give the kids some room to breathe. Um, and if there's one thing I've learned having a lot of Niner fans friends is that they're not very good at tempering expectations. So uh, <laughs> True. I think, you know, there if if we see a situation where Trey Lance doesn't play or if he does play in limited time and makes some, some mistakes, I would not be surprised to see a ton of overreacting Niners fans. And I think that's the last thing that Trey Lance needs. So, Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with the Niner fans that they are all aboard the Trey train. They want this guy to play right away. Uh, I'm not on that. I think he's going to be a great player. I've, I've talked about that last week. I think he's really good eventually. And if he does play as a rookie, I w- would expect that he is a lot more developed than we thought and he would succeed. But if he is not at that level, which no one should really expect him to be at that level, I don't want him to see the field. I, I want Jimmy G to play because if he's playing, the Niners are probably winning. And if he's healthy. So... Uh, but yeah, Niner fans are already ready to crown him next Joe Montana, Steve Young, which I'm like, eh, okay, let, let's see him in the preseason first. Let's see how he does in training camp. But um, I, I see what you mean. When you're a third overall pick, you're expected to play as a rookie. Uh, it usually never happens that a top five pick is you know, benched for an entire season. Um, so that would be a disappointment if he did not play at all. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see sort of how he, he looks. I mean, he's played one game in the last two years. So, you know, now he's transitioning to an NFL offense and, and got uh, a complicated playbook with Shanahan. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if Jimmy goes down early, I wouldn't be surprised if Trey, you know, I, I know I'm a little bit of a Trey hater, but 
I wouldn't a, be surprised if he struggled. Uh, yes, a traitor. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if he struggles early, especially just given how notorious Shanahan's playbook is for being a little bit more complex and a lot of checks and, and, and stuff that you got to be aware of at the line of scrimmage and, and get people into the right plays as far as the run game and the pass game. Uh, if he's given that freedom, I know he's, he's limited um, some quarterbacks in the past, their ability to do checks and stuff at the line of scrimmage. But um it's a big task to do especially for a guy that doesn't have a lot of experience at with high level competition so wouldn't be surprised if he struggles yeah and i I just want to clarify i'm not saying that he won't be good i'm just saying that i'm saying he won't be good okay i know you're saying that i'm i'm saying that one he needs time and two i think niners fans need to chill a little bit with the with the hype the the tray hype and and let him grow into his his starting role so anyways Enough there. I'm I mean, sure we'll follow that storyline. Okay, quick point. Okay, quick point. Quick point. To be fair, the Niners haven't had an actual quarterback since Jeff Garcia. I don't. I don't since, like this just, slander to Jimmy G. The dude took you to the Super Bowl. <laughs> what more do you want to yeah, be an actual I quarterback? Mean, I mean, more than one year of success. That, that's a good start. What about point. Colin Kaepernick? He took you to the Super Bowl too. More than two years. <laughs> a franchise quarterback. Uh huh. All right, I, I'm, I'm team. I'm team Colin Kaepernick. You've been to more Super Bowls with uh, those two quarterbacks than the Packers have been with Aaron Rodgers. So I think uh, you should feel very fortunate with your quarterbacks and your your Super Bowl appearances. And, and while you haven't had elite play, you've had very solid play that uh, functions within the offense and gets you opportunities to win really big games. Yeah, yeah. Like, th- like four years out of last. Listen, like Nick what, Foles won a Super Bowl. Life. Eli Manning won two Super That's Bowls. True. You don't need a you don't need a Peyton Manning. Every, you know, for ten years to win a Super Bowl. But it it would be nice though. It would oh, hundred percent. Nice. But there's only like five <laughs> or six of them. So you know, <laughs> yeah. Good luck. True. Um. All right. Let's move on here. Let's talk about who we think might be the best fantasy rookie and someone you should keep an eye on as we get closer to the fantasy draft. Yes. Time to plug this week's article. On weeklyspiral.com, I break down my top 10 rookie fantasy players, not the top 10 best players, top 10 best fantasy players. And I th- that's why I think Kyle Pitts is going to be uh, an absolute beast. Uh, Casey mentioned it earlier, there's three tight ends right now in the league uh, Kittle, Kelsey, Waller, however you want to rank them. Those guys are in a class of their own. And then there's a huge drop off to four. I-, I don't even know who the fourth best tight end is. Uh, it is not great. And I think Kyle Pitts is already the fourth best. And you look at the Atlanta situation, and Matt Ryan is a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback, but he's a good quarterback. But he has a great tendency of throwing to tight ends. This goes back to the days where they had Tony Gonzalez. Uh, towards the end of his career, he had some production uh, at that point. But last three years, uh, what I specifically looked at, and the Falcons' top tight end, whether it was Austin Hooper, uh, or Hayden Hurst, saw at least 88 targets a season. And neither one of those guys are as talented of a receiver as Kyle Pitts was. We saw Hayden Hurst before he got to Atlanta was a good tight end too, and Austin Hooper after he left tight end, <clears throat> after he left um, Atlanta, he didn't do all that much in Cleveland that year. And Kyle Pitts is a great receiver. He played about 45% of his snaps out wide or in the slot, which I think you'll see him a lot more. Also, we don't know if Julio Jones is going to be around uh, come next season. Uh, there's rumors he's in the trade block, and he can't get traded until after June 1st. Wouldn't be shocked if he was gone. And big part of fantasy, as we all know, is scoring. That's, that, that's what gets you the six points. That's what you need. 
He had the second highest touchdown percentage rate ever for a tight end uh, in college, which is absolutely insane. Calvin Ridley is a beast. Uh, you can't underestimate him. He has uh, 10 touchdowns inside the, the 20 since 2019. But Pitts is a bigger option than yeah, – I think he's even bigger than Julio Jones. So you throw the ball up to him, have him go and get it. And I think he's going to have a year where he scores seven to eight touchdowns. Don't think he quite cracks the 1,000-yard marker, but I would expect 800, 900 yards, which is very good for a tight end. Before Casey jumps in and disagrees with you, I will mm-hmm. – um, <laughs> I will say I tentatively agree. I think Kyle Pitts will be a solid fantasy contributor. Um, also, by the way, I think fourth, I would probably have Mark Andrews as my fourth tight end. Um, so okay. that's that's all I have to say. I'm excited to see what Casey says now. So we'll, <laughs> we'll pass it to Casey. <laughs> uh, I mean, I already covered it a little bit. I, I, the, the big concern is just I, I don't know that the targets are going to be there for him and a, a new offense and a, a new system and and I, just going over what I what I said about tight ends and having their struggles you know adjusting to the to the NFL and, and all the stuff that they have to learn my biggest concern for fantasy wise is, is just the targets um, you know is he worth taking a, a flyer on sure but I wouldn't take him ahead of any of those big three and no, I probably no, yeah. wouldn't take him ahead of Mark Andrews who you, you got to feel pretty confident with with him uh maybe Hunter Henry and the and Johnny Smith and in, in New England bear some Dallas Goddard consideration starting duties Dallas Goddard um there, there's some guys out there that are, are very productive and I could see him being in the thick of those guys but I don't think he's gonna transcend to to being one of the top three uh, I don't think he's going to bump up the top elite top three into an elite top four with him included in that, uh, especially not his rookie year. Agreed. Agreed. Cool. I'm in the, I'm in the, the middle <laughs> between you two there. Generally, for fantasy, I don't trust rookies, but I do trust rookie running backs, and that's why I'm going with Najee Harris because he's immediately the top dog in the Steelers' backfield. He has utility on third downs for PPR if you're playing that. Uh, Pittsburgh struggled a little bit with the, the run blocking last year, but in fantasies, there's very few bell cow running backs that are going to be the dude, uh, you know, three times in a series. So I, that's a great opportunity for him to, to produce a, a lot of stats and, and, and points. And if he can develop and, and continue to, to be productive in the pass game and in pass pro, uh, that just gives him more versatility on third downs and, and opportunities to touch the ball. And uh, I think he's a very talented running back, and he's going to fit the, the sort of attitude and uh, what they got going on in, in, in Pittsburgh, give Big Ben a little bit of a break and, and be a power back and, and bring some nastiness, I, I think. He's a great fit there, and he's going to produce pretty consistently and pretty well in, uh, in terms of fantasy. Yeah, you don't score as many touchdowns as you did in college, uh, as Najee Harris did, without being a very talented player. Uh, 50 touchdowns in two years uh, between rushing and receiving is absolutely insane. Uh, so he has, like you mentioned, he is not bad at catching the ball, which we when you look at him, you don't think of him as a receiver because he's a bigger guy, not very fast, but he can catch. He had one drop the last two years, uh, very sure-handed, and Big Ben, his arm is, for lack of a better word, it's shot. He can't push the ball down the field as much. His air yards, uh, that's when how far he actually threw the ball, was down a whole yard uh, com- this past season compared to his whole career. So he's looking to get rid of the ball quicker, 
Their offense is now more predicated on slants and screens uh, to kind of mask his lack of arm strength. I mean, that's going to happen in your late 30s and you're coming off of Tommy John surgery. You can't be too surprised off of that. And like you said, he's a three-down back. I mean, James Conner got 65% of their snaps last year, and James Conner can't catch for one, and he isn't the dynamic runner that Najee Harris is. He's more of a short yard kind of guy. So there's no reason why Najee Harris should see 75% of the team snaps. Also, he's built well, so he should be more durable uh, than a lot of these kind of smaller, quicker guys. I hope he does well as a Bay Area guy. So good pick, Casey. Oh, thanks, Durgan. You got it. Agreed. Also, not only on the player, but the philosophy as well. Running backs, especially running backs that carry a lot of weight and, and uh, get majority of the touches, both you know running and receiving, they're hard to come by. There just aren't that many. That's just the nature of fantasy football. So Najee Harris slots right in. He, he has RB1 potential for sure in fantasy. Um, so he may. I, mean, I honestly think he may be the first rookie off the board. Uh, as as yeah. a whole, just because of his mm-hmm. position and and mm-hmm. what people are projecting him to to get in terms of touches, so I like Najee Harris in both standard and PPR. I think he's a great pick, and um, you know if he's there, fringe first round, maybe second round pick. It'll it'll be interesting to see where he falls, but uh, definitely definitely a potential steal uh, or value uh, if you can get him outside of the first. My pick. I hope you guys are ready for a little hometown cooking, a little bias here. Um, I'm going to go Devontae Smith. And there's one specific reason, and it is that this dude will have as many targets as he can catch. It'll be like, and speaking of hometown, it'll be like hometown buffet. It'll be an all-you-can-eat buffet of targets for him to catch because he is the only person on this team now. And pretty much outside of Dallas Goddard, the only number one guy on this team to be thrown to and this team has been desperate for a number one guy that can produce so i i think he sees a lot of touches i think he sees a lot of production early on i thought about picking jamar chase here as well who i think will also have a good season but that's a guy who's going to be competing with t higgins and tyler boyd both both of them played pretty well last season so you know from a talent perspective there's an argument to be made but from a fantasy perspective we're really looking at volume stats and and um and I think Smith has a great opportunity on the Eagles to really be somebody that the team leans on for production um, early on. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Devonte Smith, biased maybe a little bit, but I think there's a lot of uh, room for optimism at the wide receiver position with him. So Devonta's ceiling is very high, but I also think his floor is relatively low, and has nothing to do at all with him as a player. You're gonna uh, make the size really know... argument? Please don't make the size. No, 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 argument. no, no. no. <laughs> It has nothing at all to do with him as a player. I, I worry about how is this offense going to look. Uh, it's, it's, if you have Jalen, Jalen Hurts as quarterback, I presume, it might be more running and more read options, more you know quick slants, uh, looking you know, that direction uh, to tight ends. And also, I, I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts in general. But in, like you said, in terms of who is going to be the number one guy on that team, it's going to be Devonta Smith, which is why he has a great chance – I think lead it all rookies and catches. Uh, he has that built-in relationship with Jalen Hurts from their days uh, in Alabama. Granted, Devonta Smith was a little bit younger, but he was still producing with Hurts. So I, I do like this pick. I mean, I, I think he's going to be a draftable player. Uh, I would think Jamar Chase just because that's going to be a bad team in Cincinnati, and I think they're going to have a lot of chances to throw. Meanwhile, I don't think the Eagles will be all that good, but I think they're going to be more grinded out kind of games where they focus on running a lot. But 
I mean, hey, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I've, I will never doubt Devonta Smith because he has just proven everybody wrong, and he's one of my favorite players in the league. Yeah, I mean, I think he would be great in an RPO offense because that's a lot of what they did at Alabama. If you run him mm-hmm. on those glance routes, let him catch some bubbles, let him work in space. Um, I could see him as being a very high target guy. Uh, but maybe, you know, he might be one of those guys where he has six catches for, you know, 70 yards. yards or, <laughs> yeah, something that's, you know, you would expect him to be, you know, racking up the yards. But he may have the catches, but not necessarily the, the yards because he's not going to, he's not a break break tackler guy. He's not going to yeah. run you over. He's not going to uh, put you on skates. He's, you know, he's a smooth runner and he'll get open and catch the ball, but um, he may be tackled right after. So, uh, I think he has a lot of potential, especially in the red zone, or a reliable guy, someone that's you know underneath and can can make some stuff happen, win some one on ones when you're getting man coverage. Um, so I'm not entirely mad at the home cooking. I'm not entirely sold on it. I don't know if I'm going back for seconds, but I'll, I'll have my first <laughs> helping and, and see what happens after that. Fair enough. I know you're picky about your cooking, so I'm gonna I'm gonna count that as a W <laughs> in my column here. And uh, we can wrap things up there on episode 90. Uh, before we head out, I want to give both of you a chance to plug some upcoming content. Durgan, I know you talked about what you will have yep. coming out soon. You want to give the listeners a little bit more info? Yeah, so it's just top 10 players, um, fantasy-wise. Uh, spoiler alert, Kyle Pitts is number one. Uh, Najee Harris is three, though, so I, I took care of him as well. Uh, I think there's a few guys. It's about five guys I think you can actually draft comfortably. And after that, it's a crapshoot. So read all about it tomorrow. Awesome. Or today, if you're ready to listen. Awesome. Perfect. What about you, Casey? I got a DJ Moore breakdown coming up. Um, quietly rising star in Carolina. I feel like he's a, a, a true number one, one of the better receivers in the league, and yet he's not getting a lot of press, uh, mainly because Carolina has struggled the last couple of years. But uh, it's time you put some respect on DJ Moore. Moore's name. Love it. Yep. Thousand yard receiver. He's, he's a good player. Yep. A lot of people you know, yeah. don't know oh, yeah. him. He's not a household name, but excited to read that one and find out why people should know him. Um, this has been a Weekly Spot production, bringing you fresh football every single week. Thank you again for stopping by and sticking with us for episode 90. We hope whatever else you get up to the rest of the day it is awesome. We'll catch you next week for episode 91. <laughs>